Lord, transform me. I want to be that good. I'm not that good. I'm not because the Syrians would have had if it was me. Let me tell you something. <laughs> I don't know if I'm that good yet. Lord, transform my heart, please. But let me tell you something. I would have and I would have made fun of they moms. Oh, my God. <laughs>Hey, Father. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing well. So, what story are we doing this week? Okay, great. Copy that. Okay, call back later. <gasps> you guys! This week, we're talking all about Elisha's miracles. Ooh! Welcome to another episode of Bible <laughs> Stories with me, Brianda. Brianda! And of course, joining me, my right hand, La Clara NYC. How are you? Yay, my little beautiful eh, croqueta. Croquetita. Yes, oh, and I'm your platano. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh my God, a little Spanish croquette and a little plantain. <laughs> oh, God, we're soulmates. I think we are. Clarita, I'm so happy to see you. How are you? You look beautiful. Oh, thank you. Look who's talking. Look, I mean, listen, I can see the tops of your um, tetas. Yes. I have to watch out because my nipples think they're a window and they're like, but <laughs> we'll just put a little, we'll put a little Bible stories pudding on your nipple if it pops out because the proof is in the pudding, pudding. babes. <laughs> Anyways, girl, I'm ready to fight. <laughs> okay. I'm ready to fight. Good morning, everyone. Yes. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Whenever you're listening to this, wherever you're listening, I don't know what continent you are. Hello, South Africa. Hello, New Zealand. Hello, England. Hello, Brooklynites here in New York. Hello, all of you. But I got a bone to pick with the internet. Why is that? What happened? <sighs> so at the time that this is being recorded, I have recently, uh, you guys have all seen I was recently on the Rory and Mall show, mm -hmm. the biggest platform I've ever been on, been on hands down. Mm -hmm. uh, just to let in, the Bible babes are a part of our, you know, especially our leaders, the lead Bible babes, but like they're a part of the business meeting too. Mm -hmm. We're having an executive meeting right now, you guys. We got one, over 1,000 new subscribers on YouTube. Ooh. We got um, um, uh, like 2K followers on Instagram. Ooh. I got individually like just about that on my personals. Like, wow. holy yes. crap, our listenership has been like, it's, they... I always wondered, like, going on platforms, like, how big their impact is by what we get in return. Mm. I got to send those guys a muffin basket as a thank you. Because... Muffin basket. Because that was... At a pudding. Sorry. And a little... Yeah, a little... <laughs> a a muffin basket a, with a pudding. Bring the pudding! Because I'm showing you the proof, honey. No, exactly. <laughs> like, could you imagine, like, Rogan? That would be... Um, I'll bring you like what 10k <laughs> compared to it more I don't know I feel like that guy oh god he Andy's from Boston too I know I'm going to be on Rogan one day I want to go on Rogan so bad and I would call him out on some things that he said you know what I'm saying because I'm not scared of people I'm only scared of Dolly Parton and god oh my god and god yeah! I can't worship idols anyways the bone I have to pick with the internet was I know this may seem like old news, but I wanted to to like formally say what I had to say about the comment section. I didn't I didn't read any, but my Bible babes and Clara and people I know let me know what was going on in the comments, <laughs> and it was a mess. <laughs> like, and also someone told me that on Reddit things were a mess. I'm talking about like people were calling me like, oh, she's just an ex hoe who thinks that she. It's like wait, no, 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 hold on. I've never been a hoe. <laughs> like 
ever. The one time I tried, I felt convicted to stop. <laughs> like <laughs> literally, like, what are you even talking about? Let's get that off the table already. I know how my mama raised me and that's just not how my mama raised me. Mm-hmm. No offense to anyone else. Do you? Um, also my podcast is produced by the most famous, beautiful hoe there is. Wheezy. <laughs> Wheezy WTF. What? She's capital. I can call her a hoe. She, it's her brand. Annie, I know how you feel about the hoe. Yeah, we'll say have a whole deep debate on this. So I know. Not even get oh, you guys, you guys do not want to hear <laughs> Clara's thoughts on that. We'll save it for the Patreon, honestly. Yeah. But, uh, the, the, the thing that I want to talk about is some comments I made involving, uh, one, a, a, a man mm-hmm. that I went on two dates with. And I said that his height was something that I was not anticipating and I found it jarring at first, Mm -hmm. but I found him to be so charming, charismatic, and he understood the word. He was a Christian man and he smoked weed. Mm -hmm. Um, That was something that I've never seen before. He was so interesting. And I went on another date with him. That's what I explained on the show for those who didn't watch the Rory and Mal show. We'll leave the link in the description if you wanted to check it out. Mm -hmm. And I listened back because of the reactions that I was getting after the, after the first episode dropped the audio. Mm-hmm. And I read, I went back to listen. These mother- are so dramatic. Like I was actually, I don't know. I was pretty polite about, <laughs> I mean, I was pretty polite about what was happening. Now here's the thing. I am not proud of ghosting anyone. That is lame. I'm lame for that. You know, like, I'm real. I mean, I, I I want to present as much realness as possible. I can't be on, I can't be in someone's house on another show, like being dishonest in that way. It'll come out. I mm-hmm. can't do it. It makes me feel uncomfortable. That's why I stay home. Like mm-hmm. I don't go out. I don't leave the house. I'm an introvert. I stay home in my robe and my cozies because I don't want to lie. You know? <laughs> so, but I thought I had all things considered. You listened to it, Clara. Yep. Was I rude? No. I wasn't. And okay, now here's the bone I have to pick. When the audio dropped on Friday, the audio dropped on Friday, and then the visual component on YouTube dropped the following day, Saturday. When that audio dropped, you guys, I've never received that much. Like, vi- I mean, poor minds was pretty violent, but those were women. It was different. Like when women tell you like you're a dumb bitch, it's a little bit like, okay, girl, you playing because you're a dumb bitch too, you know? <laughs> but like when, when men threaten you, like I received men uh, saying that they wished I got jumped. Wow. Uh, I had men being like I said before, like you're just a hoe who contradicts herself, or whatever. Who uh, you're? You're not. Uh, some someone said, uh, uh, "You think the Lord wants you to do this? He would never pick you to say like really <gasps> violent things." Wow. But I I know that they don't mean that. What happened was these were also short men who. And I'm not saying that they can't be, but they had to have been short men that were unhappy in life or not that or like still on the grind for their careers, you know, because let me tell you something. If you're a short man who if you're a man who happens to be below the height average for men in this country, who is making over six figures, not that that matters, but like not that that money matters. But in New York, it does, I guess, culturally, Uh, if you're someone who is happy and secure within themselves. And, uh, uh, I don't know, pursuing something that matters to you. You weren't DMing me those things. You probably laughed too. The only people like wishing me harm and talking that much smack were short, insecure Kings. You know what I mean? And, uh, 
The only thing I wish I could take back from that is that, or, or the only thing I really regret is that I know that guy's going to watch that. This is a big show. And, um, that stuff make, that makes me feel bad. But also he was like a fan who wanted to go out with me. I'm, I don't know, not to say that people have to worry when dating me or whatever, but, um, that's what something that I feel bad about, like for sure. Cause if I was watching that, why the heck did you ghost me? You should have told me that a couple weeks ago, you know? If I had not ghosted him and then went on the podcast and said that, eso sería otra cosa. Mm -hmm. Like I, I, that would have been fine. But the fact that I also ghosted and then he may have heard it for the first time on the thing, that makes me feel a little bad, you know? But that has nothing to do with the, with the internet. God, what make, do you have to say, Claire? I'm I sorry. Make, yeah, I just, I like, I'm like literally lining go. up my thoughts in my go. brain. Ghosting, yes, I would have been mad um, because being ghosted is not nice by anyone, right? And I know you addressed the situation with him because I know you, uh, yeah, told, before. you told me that you addressed the situation with him. <clears throat> Sorry, but still, it's something that it's still there. So seeing you out there, you know, talking about it, it's like, <sighs> dude, <laughs> you know, like, all right, so I guess like, oh, you told me or whatever is like, ah. Oh, You know, like I'm out here being exposed, mm -hmm. whatever. But that is something you can't help. It, you did what you did. You explained this to him, like why you did it. You were wrong. You admitted it, but that's it. Two, people commenting this wild shit or sending you these wild shit. Threats. Listen, people have too much time in their hands. And like you said, too much insecurities. I think I've told you this example before. Um, people only feel... Uh, affected or se dan por aludidos they think like you como que it affects their feelings mm -hmm. when they are insecure about the same thing I'm and this is the example I put in you before I'm a I would say in certain th aspects of my life I'm pretty secure of myself I have small boobs okay if I heard you talking about someone that has more, like, let's say you were a dude or, or you were a lesbian, saying that you're not into girls uh, that have small boobs because your thing is the big juggernauts. Girl, I'll be laughing with you. Like, I, I guess I'm not your type, but hey, my day, like, continues. My life goes on. I don't need you to, oh, my God, the small boobs, uh, like, small boobs matter. Dude. Small boobs matter. Yeah, please. <laughs> nah, get over it. Like, it's personal preference. Get over it. And, and also, what is wrong with being selective? Men? Because don't even get me started with men. Oh, wow. You don't like to see a pretty girl on the internet say something that, oh, it could be a man. A man she doesn't like me because I'm strong. Like, You can, do you know how many times women have to hear men talk? Oh, her body's mid. Oh, she doesn't have an ass. Oh, you, dude, get used to it, kids. Like, that's just a taste of what women have to go through on the daily. You know what I mean? Like, could you imagine being in a, a plus size person? Like, the, the life that they have to live? Like, no, it's not fun. So, I mean, not saying that, like, one wrong means that we should wrong everyone else. No, like, I don't want to shame anyone. Society prefers, like, the image of a less plus sized girl so meaning that if you're above that size you're gonna be harassed by your size regardless if it's good or bad like but yeah facts is that you're gonna be harassed somehow for sure and like, i think it's because there's this there's this kind of like notion that women aren't as visual creatures or as like that uh, uh, the physical doesn't quite matter as much to women which i think there's some truth to that i, I will say 
But women are just as selective. Again, I don't want to bring up, I mean, I always bring up Jordan B. Peterson. I just think he's really brilliant. And he once, he, I, I ran past um, one of his clips that his daughter, Michaela, posted. And he was saying that uh, the odds for women, the risks for women in mating are far graver than for men. Like women can get, can get pregnant. You know what I'm saying? That's it. The, the odds, the odds are, 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 um, are more urgent for us. That doesn't mean we become less selective. It becomes, it means we become more selective. And regardless of this, babe, like we always say, vive, deja vivir, like you're talking about personal preference. You are not condemning publicly people that are below certain height. You were saying that your personal preference is with men that like you would like them a little higher than that. That's your personal preference. Hello, what happened to the freedom of expression or, or thought or whatever? Like, you know what dude. the issue was that people took they because because and this is what I'm saying. I don't think I I conveyed the idea correctly because they were saying it seemed as though I was saying that everything was perfect but his height. And then I added at the end, I didn't like his shirt and I didn't like his shoes. It's like no, I had been ghosting him for a couple weeks. I almost forgot about like, not again, I'm flawed. This is not okay. I'm not proud of this. Uh, but it was more than that. Like I said, or I told you off camera, uh, when women start, and I can only speak from a woman who was into men standpoint, like when women start nitpicking at like, Oh, his beard's funny. Oh, you know, we got a funny looking nose. Oh God. The way he smells so nice. When women start doing that, it's especially in the beginning, I'm not talking about when you've been with someone for a long time, like in the beginning, that just, you don't like them. Like you, it's, it's, there's something that you may be, um, uh, there may be a facade that you're trying to keep up with, but if you find yourself nitpicking at things like that, I'm sorry, it's just not it. Like, it's just not it. Mm -hmm. And if you could even go that long without communicating something to someone that says a lot, you know? So it wasn't just the fact that he was short and I would date a short guy, not by four, but I would date a shorter guy. Like, also, you've been, you went with him for two dates. Two. You gotta be a fool to think that he's perfect after two dates because I'm not saying that the man is a bad guy, but he's a great you guy. don't know someone enough after what, what, what's the, the average length of a date? Two hours, three hours, mm -hmm. let's say three hours. That's six hours total that you've been with this person in real life. You gotta be a fool to have an, like an impression. Oh my God, he's some, no. Like, yes, you have seen some very good qualities that you like, but that doesn't mean, like you can see other stuff that, that puts the balance towards the, the you know, the, the not negative, but that you don't like so much. Yeah. And also, in terms of you coming out and, and speaking about it, like you said, he was a listener, so he knows what that was what's your too. lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And two, you have always been very open. I mean, you, if I'm not wrong, you read a breakup message on oh, the yeah. past with another dude here. You're very transparent and you always like share what's going on with your life. So you cannot expect, unless you don't follow enough the show, but then that's on you because I'm telling you, if I'm like super excited, well, actually, I'm like, why? I was going to say something, but <laughs> redacted. <is that> <laughs> redacted. <laughs> no, but that's another thing, Clara. I don't think I'll ever, I don't like, I don't know if date, if I like dating someone that knows more about me than them, it's a little off putting, especially as a, that's creepy. 
It's a little unusual and I definitely don't think I'll do it again unless they're like exceptionally attractive. I know that sounds messed up, but an attractive, I mean like they do something that I really find interesting. Like they're this really dope architect or something or you know what I mean? Like, but I don't think I'll like, I got a whole lot of requests actually. Oh, what's funny is on Friday I got death threats and on Saturday I got proposals and like people, people, oh my God, this guy was like, fly out to Colorado. Oh he literally was like, I will buy your flight tomorrow and take you people out. People are fucking nuts. And I literally people went- People are nuts. I went, well, look at this. I was an ugly Bible thumping hoe on Friday. And then they saw the visuals on Saturday and were like, okay, she's crazy, but I'll take her on a date. Like, men are so simple. Men yeah. really think that they do, like, you guys are simple, simple, simple people. Same, to me, same. People have too much free time. To be, to be throwing out date proposals or fly proposals on, on random DMs, you have way too much time in your life, honey. For good or for bad, just get a hobby. I don't yeah. know, do some charity work. Also, I mean, yeah. So winding down on the Rory and Mall appearance, I'm really thankful for them. They're really great. I'm going to try and bring them on as guests here. Uh, by the way, guys, just a little sneak peek into next week. Next week, we have a guest coming on the show and don't say who it is i'm not i'm not but this person is pretty legendary and <laughs> that's gonna be a really fun session so just a little sneak peek for next week we have a guest coming next week and that's gonna be really fun but yeah man boys the, i made the boys mad and um i'm not proud of it but i'm not not proud of, of the Bible team. We're elevating, we're growing. And I'm going to always be that way. Like someone said, how could you be promoting the Bible and being so superficial? It's like, wait, why I'm, this is who, this is who I am today. Now, why would I present something that is not that I'm growing? I'm not perfect. I'm far from it. I'm pretty sure that's evident. No. And also my call is not to be a pastor. I'm pretty sure everyone knows that my call is not to be a pastor. My call is to share my testimony and to get people to read the text, people that would have never ever thought to read it, to make it a little more approachable. That's my call. That's mm -hmm. what I came to do. Mm -hmm. I wasn't there to portray someone who's into the Bible and is perfect. That, that would be a lie. In fact, that's what I don't like about the uh, a lot of the evangelist community. Like It's almost like they they, they try and... Um, what's it called? What's it called when something's como hermetic? Like mm. where they it's sealed. Like they only speak to one another. That's that's not that's not that's not what we're called to do. We need to go out and get other people to come in to us and like to understand. Mm -hmm. You know, like so beat it. Um, scram, goofy. Anyways, <laughs> that's it. I guess um I guess we can go into the story unless you have anything to add, Clara. Like Clara, my little Spanish croquette, my little Spanish vixen. <laughs> You're so beautiful. Listen, if croquetas and bananas taste good together, platano. I would do some machu calo, machu calo, machu calo, <laughs> machu calo. Anyways, let's get into the story. Let's dive into this week's story. We're going to talk a little bit about Elisha's miracles. To be specific, this week we're going to be discussing 2 Kings chapters 5 through 8. And before we start, I say it again, I sound like a broken record, you guys. If you haven't seen the last four to five episodes of Bible stories, not including, obviously not including the Ian, the interview episode, but uh, episode 38, 39, uh, uh, 37, 38, 
40. 40 and 41. Those, oh, especially la uh, last week's episode would be a good one to, to... no, not last week. So 37, 38, 40, and 41. There you go. Watch all of those. <laughs> Just list them here and here. Like, please watch these episodes. They will help while listening to this one and then the one next week and then the one next week. Trust me. It'll help you unless you want to read them. Like if you read, you'll be fine too. So just make sure you read Second Kings chapters uh, for this one, chapters five to eight, and you'll understand. So the only house rules I'll I'll say for this week's episode is Clara, please put up this map. For today, we're going to bring out uh, um, different nations, enemy nations, and it just helps understand uh, what's going on, where the where people are traveling to and from. We, we're introduced to Damascus, Samaria, Syria. Uh, just take a look at this map. Maybe we'll bring it in a little later in the episode, but it'll help with understanding um, where the story is going within these the next three chapters. So I know the title of this week's episode is Elisha's Miracles. And I'm starting at chapter five. We know that chapter four is legit a laundry list of Elisha's miracles. Please read those if you want uh, for the sake of time and uh, pushing the story along because we've been in Kings and Chronicles for the last two months. Uh, please read it on your own. We'll discuss uh, a couple of them today. But uh, we're going to start uh, with ooh, a Syrian man named Naaman. <laughs> Syrian man named Naaman. <laughs> so Naaman was a commander of the army, of the Syrian army, and he was the right-hand man of the king of Syria, Ben-Hadad. This name is familiar if you have listened to previous episodes of Bible stories or if you are familiar with the Holy Bible, the Old Testament specifically. So this man had leprosy all over his body. And at, at, uh, at one point, well, it's not news that the Syrians and the Israelites beef all the time. That is a tale as old as time. The story continues. The history repeats itself. And at this point, Naaman sends a bunch of uh, some of his like messengers out to, or his army officials to Israel to, you know, body some people, merc some people. Cause that's what they had been doing. Israel and Syria had been like, they were, Israel was sent some people, merc some Syrians and the Syrians was sent some people and then merc some Israelites. You know what I'm saying? So at this point, the leprosy man, Naaman, uh, he sends over a few of his army officials to, uh, you know, get some bodies in Israel. And while he was over there, they actually, steal, like they kidnap uh, a young woman, a young girl, uh, some Bible translations say a young maid, and they steal her and they bring, they present the girl to Naaman and Naaman gives the girl to his wife. So she become she becomes Naaman's, Naaman's wife's servant. Hmm. Yeah. And throughout their life, you know, they become chummy, they have conversations, you know, I'm assuming, right? And uh, the girl ends up telling Naaman, she goes, hey, oh, hey, is that eczema on your body? Ooh, what's going on there? I know who could fix that for you. She goes, a man named Elisha can mm. fix that for you. A prophet named Elisha can heal you of your leprosy. Mm. Let's dive into some scripture for a bit more context. 
We're going to go to 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 2 to 5. Now the Syrians on one of their raids had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel, and she worked in the service of Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, Would that my lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria? He would cure him of his leprosy. And the king of Syria said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he went, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. You guys, the more I read it, the more I'm like, you know how much that is for back then? So basically the king tells Naaman, listen, I can give you whatever you need to go down there. This is like the equivalent of like a million dollars back then of stuff. I mean, if he was rich and he could afford it to cure la lepra, no? Of course. You want to know much real? I would also, like, if I could afford it, I'll give you as much as I could. Hi, Tangi, not hi, Tangi. I don't know why my brain automatically goes here, but, you know, rest in peace, Virgil Abloh, the, the... Hi, Tangi, off the hi, Tangi. Clara, Clara. Clara, why do you <laughs> live on the moon? You're from another, are you an alien? Anywho, <laughs> let me not even go, let me, I don't even want to waste any more time on it, you guys. Crush her in the comments. She does not know who Virgil Abloh, he is a like creative director. He has done countless of Kanye's albums, uh-huh. covers. He was the creative director of Louis Vuitton. Louis Vuitton. Oh. Um, but anyways, you just passed away from, I believe it was cancer. Anywho, I bring him up. Then you have Chadwick uh, Bozeman. And then I always think like all these people who are, who, who acquire and have earned so much abundance, right? Whether that be, I'm not even talking about financial. I'm talking about like the ability to pursue your passion Mm -hmm. and have a family and support your family and have them be okay for life, you know, almost. Uh, and yet the equalizer is death for all of us, you know? So it's so funny because Naaman was a rich man. I mean, the king of Syria sent him in like a Lambo chariot to Judah to hit up Elisha for some help. And here he was a man with leprosy. We know that Naaman got the green light from his homie and king Ben-Hadad in Syria Ben-Hadad ends up writing a letter to Jehoram. We already know Jehoram's a king mm-hmm. uh, over in, uh, uh, in Israel. And he sends a letter written to him asking him, hey, man, so we hear that Elisha, Prophet Elisha, can cure Naaman of his leprosy. Hook him up, please. Like, we got stuff, we got jewels, whatever you need, whatever, whatever. At this point, Jehoram is such a hothead. Like we already know from previous episodes that that man is so like, he has a hot temper, right? And at this point, Jehoram's actually pissed because he finds out that <laughs> enemy nations think that Elisha is super powerful. Mm. And meanwhile, he's the king and he does not have, obviously he doesn't have the powers that Elisha has. So you can see he has like, he cops a little attitude like, I shouldn't even do this. I shouldn't. He's jealous. Oh, for sure. He's a jealous, jealous for sure. A jealous king. Mm-hmm. And uh, Elisha, being a prophet, already know he foresees that a man named Naaman is going to come asking for him to help. He already knows. And Elisha ends up sending messengers being like, it's okay. Let him come to me. It's fine. Like, I'll, I'll cure. I'll hook him up. Just, Jehoram, get it together. 
Okay. So again, Nayman comes in with his, you know, decked out hydraulics chariot up to Elisha's spot. And he's like, yo, where is he? Knock, knock, knock. Where is he? Doesn't come out. Elisha ends up sending a messenger downstairs to go tell Naaman what to do. And this is what the messenger tells Naaman. The messenger says, yeah, so uh, you got leprosy, right? All you got to do is go take a dive in the Jordan seven times, and then you're good. Bye. That's your uh, prescription. See you later. That was a lie, right? No, it's the truth. But Naaman is pissed. Naaman is so mad because he was like, that's it? I got to dive in dirty water seven times and I'm cured? I could have done that in Syria. Syrian water is way better. What do you mean? Like, he's so upset because here he's thinking he's about to meet the most prolific prophet there is. He's about to, he wants Elisha to do the stuff that Elijah did. Bring in fire from the flame, which only Elijah did. But he, he thought he was going to see like some David Blaine, like car tricks, like none of that. Here we have a king, uh, um, our, our God curing an enemy. But he's about to... Yeah, but even if he wasn't an enemy, an enemy, I would think usually something like that, you have to earn it. Like, no. It's not going to just come because... No, that's, oh, I want this. Okay, there That's you very go. human brain. Human brain. No. that That's why a lot of bad people prosper. By that logic? Yes, but prosper, yeah, pero como un miracle. Yeah. It's like, why would I just give you a miracle? Mama. Como que... Uh, come on, spoiled child. Ah, oh, this is itchy. I, I don't want this anymore. Like, I want you to get rid of this. Okay. There well, you go. it goes to show you how much God knows because he ended up putting a miracle on Naaman and he literally changed. He uh, went to Syria. So he was trying to, come on, how do you say this? Fuck, I forgot the word. It's okay. We'll, we'll wait. No. Dilo en español. No, no, ni en español no me sale. Okay. It's also kind of cool to think that the Lord took care of a foreigner who was supposed to be an enemy, right? Mm -hmm. uh, healed him of his leprosy, and immediately he felt the presence of the Lord and repented. Now he's going to go back to his home in Syria, and who knows? He's going to be able to say, no, I was cured. People saw him with leprosy. Naaman was a famous dude, and now he's going to go back with nothing? That's, that's a miracle. People are going to see a miracle. I've seen people witness miracles all the time, like especially when it comes to like medicine or like sick family members and stuff. Sometimes some doctors literally can't explain certain things. Some, you know, how many times have you heard doctors be like, we have no idea how they survived? By the record, they were supposed to die, and we have no idea how it happened. Some doctors will legit say, beyond modern medicine. You look confused. Yeah, I've never heard that, but I'm not, You've never heard a doctor I'm say I'm not questioning what you're saying. I have personally never heard it, so I can't really have an opinion. Really? Yeah. I've never heard a doctor say we can't explain this or this is beyond Oh my gosh. Um, Babel babes, comment articles and stuff of things so that Clara can like looks look at Yeah, stuff. I'm not denying it. I'm just saying that I've never heard it, so I can't agree to it, but um but what I was, what I was, uh, I'll end it on this is that now he's going to go off to another land. They're going to see his, they're going to so see. So he was basically persuading because he knew he had cloud. <laughs> this is, this is, you guys, let's see where Clara is at episode 80.
because <laughs> boy, is she a top nut to crack. Uh, let's, yes, whatever. I'm going to respect your, <laughs> how you synthesize this information because you are my sister and I love you. Um, or it could mean that the Lord saw his heart and knew that he would be a vessel to go back to Syria and share, you know, what occurred. Because at the end of the day, he repented. Repenting is something that it's not like a, a fake thing. Like repenting, that's how you get saved. It's like beyond beyond the other stuff, beyond singing in worships and, and being like, that's my God. That's not, the Lord sees right through that. Mm -hmm. A changed heart is something different. And uh, a change, changes really happen when you've experienced like some life-changing stuff and like name ended. Let's hop into some scripture for a little background on what Elisha says to Naaman. Ooh. We're going to go to 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 11 to 12. But Naaman was angry and went away saying, behold, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord, his name, his God, and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. Are not Abena and Farpar, the, those are waters in uh, Syria, the rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Hi, Tanji. This is so funny because... Uh, we think sometimes that God needs to present himself in these grand ways in order for something to be real or for an omen to be fulfilled or for a sign to be valid. It needs to be like sparkly. It needs to be covered in gold. It needs to be life-changing for you and your family. It's like, uh, and now, <laughs> Like, who would want to worship a God like that? Like, that, that's, that's not the point of faith. Like, in fact, the Lord is so specific and intentional with the way he works. He would, he would never want to, even if that's what you desired, why would he give that to you in one fell swoop? Like, do you think that you are that entitled and deserving of, remember arrogance? We were just talking about last week with Obadiah mm -hmm. to be so arrogant to think that you deserve this in my faith, we deserve death. Like we don't deserve. And, and again, that is a, you're taken to literally that is, it's more of a, it's more of a, like a, like a, a theological understanding that we are so below the Lord. We're so like indebted to him that even that thought is not holy. Uh, and the minute I saw Naaman catch an attitude over something that's legit going to cure him, he ends up doing the, going to the Jordan. He gets seven times and he gets cured, Clara. Cured. Hmm. But why would he cure him? Clara, I think it's because to show us that the Lord can be kind to enemies and it's, we don't need to understand the reason why. It's almost like, um, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of parents when they have like two kids, at least with me and my sister. I had an older sister who was a, a year and a half older than me, so we were kind of close in age. And sometimes my mom would do something for her or have her like, I don't know, whether it be a present or, and it was marginally better than what I got. She was also older, you know? And I'd be like, but why'd she get that, not me? And my mom would be like, because I wanted to. 
So I wanted to, I don't have to, I don't have to give you an explanation, honey. Mm. Take it. I feel like in, in a sense, it's like that, that whole scenario. Oh, well, let me continue because after he gets cured, Clara, Nayman has never seen his body be this way. He falls to his knees and he is so grateful. He literally went from like 180. He ends up repenting repenting for worshiping another God. He, for, he felt the miracles that Yahweh placed on his life. He offered to give Elisha so much money. He wanted to give him everything. That's how happy he was. Have you ever been so grateful for someone that you're just like, take it all, take me. That's like how I feel about Wheezy. Like you don't care about anything. Just... We were just talking about Wheezy stealing my lipsticks. <laughs> like <laughs> Wheezy has a thing about taking my lip. I have a lot of lipsticks and she likes them too. And we're the same, com <laughs> we're the same complexion. So you know what I mean? But like she's done so much for my life. That I could, could you imagine me being like, can I have my lipsticks back? Like, this girl's literally making my dreams come true. What are you even saying here? Yeah. <laughs> what is a so, lipstick? Exactly. To exactly. Everything. So, like, in a sense, that's kind of how what it reminds me of a little bit. But that's a good question. And I'm just going off the cuff here. I think it's intentional to, ha to have us see. We've seen in the Old Testament the Lord do some pretty, pretty bold, explosive things to both enemies and his own, the people of Israel. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, God, we understand again, as a, not a, not too intellectual, right? Like theologically speaking, the idea that our father is a sovereign God who is merciful and always just is all we need to know. We can never, we can't understand God's reasoning because we're not God. Like we don't, we don't have that capacity. Even if we tried to, we wouldn't even be able, I said it before and I'll say it again. It's like teaching algebra to an ant. We wouldn't even begin to know. And it, I talked a lot about that uh, concept in the earlier days of Bible stories, like episodes one to 10. In Genesis, I find that it really uh, expands more on that concept. If any of you guys want to hear more of my thoughts on that. Later, Naaman, like I said, offers him everything. And Elisha says, no. This is what the, the Lord told me to do. And it was, a com and it was a command and you've repented. Now go on, go on with your life. Like that is, that's, that's the magic. Like, like they're not magic. That's the blessing. Hmm. It happens after repentance. And so Elisha says, no, I don't want any of your things. Just you're now, you're now cured. Mazel tov, like, you know, and guess what? One of Elisha's messengers ends up running after Naaman saying, hey, hey, uh, actually, yeah, no, um, uh, he, actually, I'll take some stuff for him. He actually took it back. He wants some of it. Actually, I'll take some of the things. I'll take, like, I'll take that Roly. I'll also take, yeah, that, is that Fendi? Gucci? Oh, okay, Balenciaga. I'll take that too. Yeah, no, no, yeah, Elisha loves that stuff for sure. Sorry. I had to interrupt the show. Look, are you tired of not knowing what stocks to invest in? Or even where to begin? Then join the Red Panda Stock Club, babes. Started by Ian Dunlap, or as we all know him as the master investor, or from his contributions every week with Earn Your Leisure. There are a lot of people talking about investing, but none of them have the track record that Ian has. The proof is in the pudding. He called to invest in Moderna at 43 in April of 2020, and now it's at 408, which is an 820% return. 
Once you join the Red Panda Stock Club, here's what you'll get. The four best stocks to invest in for long-term. The best entries on the planet. A year's worth of the best companies to invest in. The worst companies to stay away from. Unlimited access to Red Panda for 365 days. And lastly, you also get a weekly meeting from Ian and the Red Panda family every Monday night at 9 p.m. Central, Aftermarket Mondays. Baby, if you're tired of getting your behind kicked in the market or simply want to learn where to begin with all the tools at your disposal, Red Panda is the place for you. Go to joinredpanda.com and enter the code BIBLE to get 50% off the next two weeks. It's easy as that, babes. Clara, grab the champagne. Back to the show. So the name of Elisha's messenger that goes off to scam Naaman, his name is Gehazi, okay? So let's dive into some scripture to hear how he starts, you know, playing the fella. We're going to go to 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 25 to 27. He went in and stood before his master, and Elisha said to him, where have you been, Gehazi? And he said, your servant went nowhere. But he said to him, did not my heart go when the man turned from his chariot to meet you? Was it a time to accept money and garments, olive orchards and vineyards, sheep and oxen, male servants and female servants? Huh. Therefore, the leprosy of Naaman shall cling to you and to your descendants forever. So he went out from his presence, a leper like snow. Yup. Yeah. He said, the leprosy that Naaman got rid of, you're going to get. And not only that, every single one of your descendants, your seed is going to have the leprosy for what he did. And this was a man who believed in Yahweh. That's the explanation on why he did it. Elaborate. The lesson wasn't for the king. It was for the servant. Mm. And the king just happened to be at the right time, right time of the You right mean uh, Naaman. Naaman wasn't a king. Naaman was a commander. Oh, the Naaman. Yeah, yeah. yeah he was friends with the king in Syria, though. Yeah. The, the, the blessing, or uh, not the blessing, the lesson wasn't for him, but for the Jehahu. Well, there are lessons everywhere, right? Because Naaman definitely got a lesson as well. And a, a yeah, ton of them. Th th that, to me, in my atheist eye, sounded a little too much like recluding. Like what? Recluding. Reclutando. Recluding. What does recluding mean? Reclutar something. Like... Reclude. Yeah, look up the definition. Sorry, I love learning new words. I don't know what that means. Reclutar in English. Recruit, recruiting. Recruiting, okay. Yeah. You think that that was recruiting? Sounded a little too much like recruiting. Like he got big cloud, mm, let me do this for him, and this he's going to change his heart, go to a whole town, now I get a whole new town of believers. And that sounds a little too uh, materialistic, you know? It's not, como que, it shocks me because it's not the, how I would expect your God to uh, to act for girl. You better take all have. your expectations and throw them out the window. Mm. Okay. For what I've seen, for what I've seen, it doesn't really add up for with how he acts. What doesn't add up, Mama Bear? 
to do something just to recruit. But that's not what it is. But that's what I'm saying. And also, I was, there's nothing I was, wrong with recruiting, but I don't even think that that was that's that's was the purpose of it. I think this you is wouldn't a, bless you. Would, that sounds oh, we're gonna get very deep right now. Yeah, because there's nothing wrong with recruiting, but to give a blessing of this kind through a miracle to a one single person an individual just to for your your meaning god um willingness to recruit that's a little too much blessing for one person just to to satisfy your your recruiting not needs or wants or whatever but that's not what like what i'm saying is i think this whole thing happened because the lesson was for the servant it was greedy and that's what you get clara so once again you are um and again it's not just you this is a lot of i used to do it too and i was learning as well there's too much emphasis on the characters and so much logic you needed to make sense by character and also this recruiting reasoning that you've um deduced it to is very reductive the way you're portraying it to be and also that is how you receive it which is valid you know uh however where is god in the story which is what we always like to go back to in bible stories where is god in the story because at the end of the day remember it's not about the char- like at least that's how I, i it cracked me like remove yourself from the characters where where was god there and it was transformation and repentance in repentance that is not something that can be reduced to I'm recruiting you to the Yahweh army. Does that make sense? Like, but because given your lived experiences as a non-believer for so long, again, your mind, you don't have like right now, this not, that's not, that part of you is not, uh, it's not Awake. alive. It's not alive. And it's the you, right? So you have no choice but to go to the character. Mm. So, like I said, I, I understand where you're coming from. I, I was there. <laughs> like, I was there, girl, for a long time. I'm a very long name, okay? I was intellectualizing everything. I was like, listen, Nayman lied. Like, I don't believe Nayman. I don't even believe his leprosy. Like, I used to do stuff like that all the time. It's like, forget that. Where is God in this story? So now we're going to get into 2 Kings chapter 6. And at the top of this chapter, there's another fun little story about one of Elisha's many miracles that involve an axe head that one of his pupils had thrown into the the river. And and then Elisha gets the axe head to float on water like major. I'm talking about miracles like that. You know what I mean? Like, oh my God, Elijah and Elisha were so tapped. It's insane. Um, and during this time, though, uh, Syria had been trying to plan attacks against Samaria in, in Israel and to no avail because every time Syria, Ben-Hadad, King, King uh, Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, and every time he plans an attack, Elisha already knows what he's going to do. 
So Elisha tells Jehoram, hey, by the way, he's about to do this, 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 this. And Ben-Hadad can never get away with anything. Every single thing he plants, which of course, you know, Elisha wasn't a fan of Jehoram. Like mm. he was saying this to save the people. It wasn't because he was friends with them. But at this time, they started developing more of a rapport because Ben-Hadad kept planning attacks. And of course, Elisha had to like consult the king. They had spent so much time together, you know? So they started like kind of like developing a sort of, Copacetic relationship, you know what I'm saying? And, um, but I'll, I'll touch back, I'll touch bases on King Ben Hadad because he ends up getting pissed. He's spending resources trying to attack him and he always loses. So wait, there's, wait, it's, it, there's a text in here that's really funny about his, uh, his anger or his, his, uh, he was troubled. Let's go into some scripture. Second Kings chapter six, verses 11 to 14. And the mind of the king of Syria was greatly troubled because of this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me who of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who's in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. <laughs> and he said, Go and see where he is, that I may send and seize him. It was told him, behold, he is in Dothan. So he sent there horses and chariots and a great army. And they came by night and surrounded the city. So I'm talking about they priority shipped an army to kill Elisha. Because that's the only way they're going to be able to infiltrate Israel is to get rid of Elisha. And so they, I'm talking about like a whole army just to kill that one prophet. That's how powerful Elisha was. And in the dead of night, like you can hear, you can literally hear the chariots coming in. You can hear the army coming in. You hear the horses and a young man that was one of Elisha's messengers. Cause he's a prophet. Part of a job of a prophet is to teach the next generations. And you know, that Elijah was that for Elisha, you know, it's a, you know, um, and the, the young, the young boy, goes to Elisha and he's like, oh my God, oh my God, they're coming, they're gonna kill us. They're gonna kill us, oh my God, they're gonna kill us. What are we gonna do, what are we gonna do? And Elisha goes, shh. Wait, what are we gonna do? Shh. Young boy, you need not fear for the Lord's army is already surrounding us. He's referring to an invisible army. Let's dive into some scripture for a little bit of context. I, I have to remove my glove to scroll. Um, <laughs> a little behind the scenes for you. <laughs> We're going to go into 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 17 to 18. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And when the Syrians came down against him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Please strike this people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness in accordance with the prayer of Elisha. Let's pause there right quick. The Lord's army was encamped around Elisha to protect him from the Syrian army, an invisible army. Mm -hmm. How 
dope. And then later you, in, in that scripture, you hear that Elisha prayed for the boy's eyes to be opened, that enlightenment, and it happened in a minute. And then immediately after, he prayed for the army that's about to attack them to be blind. Elisha could have prayed for them to die. Elisha could have prayed for them to be kaput. Like, and he just said, not to say that blindness is like frivolous, but like he said, make no, them Much better than being dead. Much better, exactly. Much better than being dead. And during this time, it says in the text that all of a sudden, uh, well, not all of a sudden, Elisha ends up leading the army to Samaria. So they leave his crib and they go to Samaria. And then the blindness is lifted and they, they see that they're in Samaria. <laughs> and they see, wait, wait, wait. And Jehoram, King Jehoram, wants to kill them all. Wants to murk them up. Oh, you trying to infiltrate us? And he, ooh, Jehoram takes his earrings off and he's like about to square up with them. And Elisha says, no, 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 no. Do not. Don't. This is them being spared. Let them go. Good. And they never came. The Syrian army never, never infiltrated again because of they that. learned the lesson. Mm-hmm. And also it's kind of like, well, look at what God did again. What was meant to harm us or something. He can like, he lit. Mm, how do I say this? What we think is meant to harm us, our, our father can use to not only better our lives, but better the lives of someone else. Like that's a, oh, the Lord is, that's a sovereign, that's an act of sovereignty. That's an act of just, that's an act of a, of a God that, that understands the nature of people. And I think it's a good, it's good PR for the Lord. And, and also when you're developing a relationship with the Lord, it's so cool. It really is like getting to know someone because mm -hmm. the Lord is also a personal Lord. And it, it, the way we understand people, the way we get to know, like, oh, your little, your little intricacies, mm -hmm. the little, how complex we are, that's kind of the Lord too. You get to figure out like, oh, he's had his petty moments, but he's not a petty God, you know? Like he really is not at the end of the day. We may have kind of slip sometimes, you know what I'm saying, if there was some idol worshiping, you know what I'm saying? To, to even have the prophet Elisha bring peace into Samaria, between them and Syria, what a gift. It's not even about saving the, the army men. It's about salvaging the people and those, that relationship. Oh, the Lord is so good. Like, oh, those stories of goodness, like, Lord, transform me. I want to be that good. I'm not that good. I'm not, because the Syrians would have had if it was me. Let me tell you something. <laughs> I don't know if I'm that good yet. Lord, transform my heart, please. But let me tell you something. I would have, and I would have made fun of they moms. Oh my God. <laughs> Why the Syrians were bad? Uh, but the Lord is not bad. The Lord is good. He's better than us always. Anyways, whatever. Let's see what, oh my God. Speaking of uh, uh, Bible babes, this is another conference call. <laughs> Little telepathic uh, sounds for us to connect. You guys, we got a new uh, writer helping us write some of these episodes. Uh, Clara put a photo of Brianna here. Her name's Brianna. I know my name's Brianda. I swear I did not do that on purpose. Uh, but she's brilliant. And she, this is the first thing she's helped, you know, sculpt a uh, script with me. And it's been really cool. She's so great. I love you, Bri. You're so cool. Yeah. But let's read something that I want to get. I want to like say out loud because she took a lot of time to write it. And I want to say it. And I didn't memorize it. Sorry, babes. But... 
Because normally I can I can memorize what I say a little easier, but this is almost like. But she did a great job though, because this whole great. episode sounds like you. And that's what the best writers do. You know, we're we're kind of giving them a little bit of what's in the sausage. But mm -hmm. when you see those writers like uh, The Daily Show with uh, uh, Trevor Noah or Charlemagne's show, The God's Honest Truth, they have a team of writers that write to their voice. And one day when we expand and grow, like I want to have a writer's room filled with very diverse people, very diverse thinkers. And ultimately they're going to have to speak to my voice and my comedy, you know, mm -hmm. but, um, we're growing slow, but slow, but steady. Anyway, what she says, what Brie said for me to say, and I didn't have to say this, but I want to, cause she's really cool. And I like giving people credit. Um, she, uh, she said, um, Elisha won peace for his nation by treating his enemy with kindness. And God does the same. Wow. And then she also said, you know, what is intended for harm, God can turn into good, which is why we should leave our vengeance to him. Because if we wait patiently in him, he will repay. And she also added here, which I think it's really important, is it highlights how dynamic God is and how small we are and how we really will never understand. Because by this notion, other people would have died, right? But it's not for us to under, like other people, by, by other people I mean people in the past, other characters, other people in, um, in, in the history as recorded in the Old Testament would have died or would have had a different fate. But we don't have the bandwidth to understand God's choices. That's not our job. Our job is to uh, uh, look to him and uh, worship him and beyond worship people look at this people hear the word worship and i don't want to dis i don't want to discourage people by saying that even though that's what i mean very much what i mean but it really is ultimately about like developing that relationship with the lord don't stop trying to play lord stop trying to psychoanalyze the lord you can't be the lord's therapist here you can't be the lord's psychologist it's impossible you know you you can't afford him like you, you know what i mean it'd be like the opposite of a therapy session like like the like therapy with the lord would never end up being therapy with the lord it'd be therapy with you so now we're at chapter 7 and we get into the famine that starts in samaria that guess what it started by syria so even though the army didn't come they did surround samaria and they ended up triggering a famine in the land the famine that was so bad, shout out to Tara at the Bible Recap, which is one of my favorite Bible podcasts ever. She's a great resource, you guys. Like, like I'm not even going to say better than my show because I can't do that because I have to work on my confidence and stuff. But like, it's a little bit better than my show if I'm being honest with you, but whatever. Like, I just really like that girl. But she don't wear leather gloves. Anyways, moving right along. But this is something she brought up in her episode uh, in this chapter the famine was so bad. It was kind of like uh, when we're in a recession or when inflation's really bad and everything's really expensive. She was saying that a donkey's head for that time was worth something like $1,600 today during the time of the famine. What? She even said that um, at this time that they started like selling bird poop. It's a famine. It's a, you know, a famine, like they are desperate. So that's what she's saying. So at that time, like bird poop was worth a hundred dollars. Wow. Again, this is Tara Lee Cobble at the Bible recap who like has studied the Bible for years and like, and I didn't like, she's my resource. Mm -hmm. Take it up with her. <laughs> um, but 
at this time, the famine was so bad. Jehoram, who was the king at this time, and he's witnessing this famine, is so uh, uh, un unnerved by it. He ends up seeing, he sees his people pillaging one another, cannibalizing one another, because that's what happens when you're hungry and scared. He ends up seeing a woman eat the food of children in front of his face. And the wow. woman screamed to, to the king being like, help me, help me, please. King, hello, you're the king. Help your people. Mm -hmm. And he literally, you know what uh, Jehoram says? What? Jehoram goes, oh, that's your fate? You guys obviously did something to deserve <gasps> that. Uh, call back to the book of Job. When people think that because of their circumstances, something that way that that's a Lord's punishment, absolutely not the case. You know, we always try and play God. We can't. We don't know. Um, in Second uh, Kings chapter 6, verse 30 to 31 is where we can find this. When the king heard the words of the woman, he tore his clothes. Now he was passing by on the wall, and the people looked, and behold, he had a sackcloth beneath his body, and he said, May God do so to me, and more also, if the head of Elisha, the son of Shephat, remains on his shoulders today. So after the experience with the woman and seeing his people going, berserk. You know what Jehoram does? Like I said, Jehoram ain't no good. He's evil. Okay. Mm. He ends up saying this is Elisha's fault. Elisha's? Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, Clara, that's what happens when bad things happen. Well, what's the first thing people do? Who's the con direct connect to God? Elisha. Oh, this is, Eli this is Elisha's fault. Mm. He didn't warn us about this. He did a He's a poor, poor prophet. That's what he does. Ooh. And also, why do we all, why are we always so quick to blame God? But that's very bad of him, no? Because you're, at the end of the day, questioning God's appointment to prophets. Like, he would know better, wouldn't he? Of course. And also, talk about not taking accountability at all. You're Duh. the king. This is literally your fault. Duh. 101. Yeah. Right? It reminds me of when people don't take accountability for their own crap. They always end up doing the woe is me party. The whoa. Well, it's happening to me. It was actually not my fault. It was because of this. Was, no. Don't. If you are in your 30s and you are still saying that stuff, I can't even do business with you. I can't even be around you. Like, why? That's how I feel like in this case. Like, why are you so quick to blame all these things? Like, how depressed are you? How lost, right? Meanwhile, Elisha uh, it, it, uh, sees Jehoram and is like, bruh, first of all, relax. Second of all, the famine is about to be over. There's about to be a sale of, what, what do they say, barley and like uh, goods and a bunch of provisions just in, within the next 24 hours. And one of Jehoram's right-hand men, he goes, are you kidding me? We've been in a famine for how long? You think I'm going to believe that in 24 hours it's going to be done? No, it's not. So the friend of Jehoram looks at Elisha like, bro, really? We don't buy it. And you know what Elisha says? Watch. Elisha goes, oh, you don't believe it? Well, I'm here to tell you that it's actually going to happen. But what you did have right is that you're not going to be able to see it. <gasps> yeah. What? Yeah, no, Elisha, Elisha talked that spicy, that spicy. He said, you, not only that, you will be able to see it. You're not going to be able to partake in it. Wow. Mm -hmm. And he was right. Exactly that ends up happening. This dude doubted God three times and he doubted the power of God. He doubted the creativity of God. Fair enough. And uh, he ended up, uh, he ended up dying on uh, 
second Kings chapter seven, verses 17 to 20. Now the King had appointed that, that captain, that man had appointed the captain on whose hand he leaned to have a charge of the gate to gate where the sails were going to be. And the, and the people trampled him in the gate so that he died as the man of God had said when the King came down to him. Hmm. Mm-hmm. For when the man of God had said to the king, two seas of barley shall be sold for a shekel and a sea of fine flour for a shekel about this time tomorrow in the gate of Samaria. The captain had answered the man of God. If the Lord himself should make uh, windows in heaven, could such a thing be? And he had said, you shall see it with your own eyes, but you shall not eat of it. And so it happened to him for the people trampled him in the gate and he died. That's exactly what he had, what happened. So the Lord was right, right, was right after all. And we're winding down the episode. We're going to brush on second Kings chapter eight. And Elisha is reunited with the Shunammite woman from chapter four of second Kings. Yes. Um, It's the one that we glossed over where there was just a laundry list of his miracles. The Shunammite woman had a, a, a dead son and Elisha, brought him from the dead. Only one man in the Bible other than Elisha has done something like that. There may have been someone else. Bible babes, answer that in the comments, but it's Jesus is what we know who has brought people from the dead, Uh, the Lord incarnate. And Elisha did that with the Shumanite woman, but she returns in chapter eight. Elisha is reunited with the Shunammite woman whose son he saved from the dead in chapter four. She, he tells the woman to flee to the Philistines. By the way, that Shunammite woman is a rich lady, loaded. Oh. And Elisha ends up telling her to take her family, go off to the Philistines, go, run, run, like, and then come back at the end of the famine. Mm. So we can, it suggests that it was the famine from the chapter before in chapter eight. So at the end of the famine, the woman hears back, and because she's rich and had land and stuff in Israel, she ends up leaving the Philistines, coming back, and ends up asking Jehoram, can I please have my stuff back? Like, I, we just left. Like, please, um, Elisha saved my son. And the second Jehoram hears that Elisha brought her son back from the dead, he goes, yeah, 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 take whatever you want. Go. So that's what I'm saying. You can be evil, but you, you could also know, you could also know who's, who's the boss. <laughs> I'm saying. But fear will do that to you. Jehoram's captain got trampled. You know what I'm saying? Hmm. Fear will have people who talk spicy, talk real, real mute sometimes. Haven't you seen people change like at the drop of a hat? Oh, yeah, boom, boom. The second they lose money or the second they lose someone, the most proud people end up turning real, real meek. Mm -hmm. That's true, yeah. Right. Ooh, play a little clip of uh, uh, that Meek Mill song, uh, Dreams and Nightmares. Hold on, wait a minute. Y'all thought I was finished? And in 2 Kings chapter 8, verses 7 to 15, Elisha went to Damascus and discovered that Ben-Hadad was gravely ill. So Haziel, his son, his grandson, I believe, the king of Damascus asked Elisha if Ben-Hadad would recover. And Elisha said yes, but that he would die shortly after. And God showed uh, God had shown Elisha that Ben Hadad would die at the hand of Haziel, and he said that to Haziel. I think it's Haziel, um, and Haziel ends up going back to uh, Syria and murking Ben Hadad. He was wow. just evil. He was an evil guy. He was evil. Mm. That's what happened. That's what happens. Um, Haziel left and killed Ben Hadad. 
Elisha didn't want to give him that news. Like, you're going to kill your father. Like, (laughs) sorry about it. But he has to do that. Sometimes our responsibilities aren't comfortable. I felt for Elisha in that moment, knowing that he has already seen the slideshow of all of Heziel's sins right before his eyes. And it's also a a reminder that Elisha was powerless to God's will. You know, sometimes the closer we are to God, the more predisposed to visceral understandings that we don't necessarily favor. You know, there's a huge responsibility that comes with that knowledge. And I really feel for Elisha. It's kind of like, I want his closeness with the Lord. I want that relationship so badly. But then it kind of, it's a little scary. But it's it's not scary when you love the Lord, you know. But that's neither here nor there. Now let's go to moral of the story, yeah? Moral of the story is, while God is almighty and is bigger than everything we could possibly fathom, his solutions to our problems are sometimes pretty simple. You know, little faith is required of us for him to fulfill his promises. Maybe this faith looks like dipping in a body of water seven times like the unbelieving Naaman. Maybe we just need to pray for our eyes to be opened to see the allegiance of God that surrounds us in the presence of imminent danger. Either way, when the going gets tough, don't get disheveled and blame God for your shortcomings or get angry because he didn't answer your prayer the way you wanted. His ways are not our ways. And he can exceed our wildest expectations at just the right moment. So, Bible babes, instead of sabotaging your blessings with consuming thoughts of doubt and fear, you know, stand firm and know that he can change what was intended for your harm into something good. And who knows? Perhaps he'll add a little bonus reward for your patience, you know what I'm saying? Ooh. Hey, Father. How'd I do? Uh Uh-huh. You don't like... Father, I was just trying to be creative. I'm wearing a skirt. What do you mean you don't like it? I have to pin the back. No? Claire, end the episode.